What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It is me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, what's going on, bro? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. It's a lazy Sunday. Uh, spent the whole morning just, just watching some games. Uh, congrats to, to your team, man. Uh, pull up mm-hmm. a victory against City. That's That was pretty good. That's right. Arsenal, That's right. Arsenal is a is a team you can't you can't mess with them anymore. Like they they have that confidence back. Arsenal, took a while, Arsenal. It took it took a while, but I see the confidence is back, man. Mm-hmm. They got That's a, a they got team. a they got a good they got a good roster. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. No, quality team. And, you know, one of the things I, – I didn't get a chance to watch too much of the match today because I was, I was working, but I, I did see the lineup and I saw Saka was uh, was out with an injury, mm-hmm. uh, Achilles tendinopathy, it looks like. But um, Oof. the team did well without him, and I was impressed by uh, by our manager, you know, shifting Gabi Jesus out to the right wing and Ketiel is playing through the middle. And, um, I mean, there's not much a replacement for Saka, but that's that's the best you can do. So. We did well. We did well. That's good, man. That kid Saka, I feel like he came out of nowhere and then started progressing. Yeah, he lit it up. He, that's what he does. Quality player. Yeah, man. But yeah, uh, today today is an interesting episode, I think. Today is about uh, tracking your goals. And uh, the first half, we're going to kind of talk about Berg and how he kind of tracks and manages his goals and uh, the second half, we'll go into a little bit of my routine, and we're going to try and keep it in the in the scope of football. But um, I, I think the habits that we'll learn today can kind of be used outside of football as well. So we'll try and pull together examples from both and everything. But um, yeah, Berg. So like, mm-hmm. if if you have a goal in mind, like one, how do you how do you identify it, and what what's your first few steps whenever you're you're thinking of of pursuing a goal? Um, usually now I just kind of like play for fun. I don't really like, um, like have a goal in mind and then try to like get to that goal. Like I just really mainly work out just for the sake of, um, playing so that I'm not injured. I don't get those repetitive injuries. But back then uh, when I used to play in Sunday leagues, I noticed there's a couple, a few things that repeatedly happened in the game that I wasn't happy about. I wasn't happy about certain performance uh, particularly as it come to like, um, you know, sometimes they put me as a CDM, right? And I know this, like, man, like I get close very quickly and I didn't even get a chance to react. Sometimes I can't even have to pass the ball backwards mm-hmm. instead of turning around and passing the ball forwards. Nothing wrong with that, but I just noticed, like, I never had a chance to, like, they have to yell to say, like, man on. You know, I wasn't scanning as much. So it makes the my ability to process in the midfield a bit slower. So that's one thing I wasn't happy about. Um, and then when they played me, I was right back. I didn't like the my output in the second half is always less than the first half. You know, it's, like, it's just like first half, man. I, you, I'm, 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 I'm Kyle Walker. <laughs> I'm running <laughs> up and down the field, right? Second half comes. I'm a little more conservative. I'm like Eric Bailly on the second half, you know. Like <laughs> on the on the second half, I'm not I'm not getting past the midfield. Like so, like me, like I wanted to like do an output, just like you know Jordi Alba and um and um this Jordi Alba. What's my name? Man's name? Uh, 
Oh my God, the Brazilian. Marcelo? To, no, not Marcelo. No, but Marcelo. Mm. Marcelo used to play for. Um, Marcelo used to play for Real Madrid. I'm oh, talking about Danny, Danny, Danny Alves. Danny Alves. Yeah. Danny Alves. Marcelo is more of a was more of a forward. Let's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> be honest. No, but um, uh, uh, Danny Alves like was like he's like a good combination for attacking forward. That's how I wanted to play, but I never had it in the tank too. Um, do re- repetitive bout of high intensity burst in the second half. So those are the things that I wanted to train. So it, for me, like it's just identify like where you would like to be better on the pitch. And for me, those were the two things um, in those two different positions, scanning, right? Scanning really is just how it relates to like how long it takes me to like do a, like a good pass, like a, a like a chance created type of pass instead of passing the ball backwards and, and reacting. And then the second one was just repeated sprint in the second half. That's, that's those, those, those are the things that I wanted to work on. So I like that because that's a, there's a soccer element to that, right? The scanning, that's a very technical, tactical thing. And then you have a, a physical output as well as the repeated sprints. Um, I, I think these are two really good examples mm-hmm. for, for our audience here. Yeah. So, you know, as how do I how did I approach trying to get to these goals? The scanning one that that one's a little bit um like you can train it. I train it as much as I could with just with a wall first and then passing and then because I used to do a lot of training by myself. Um do like a wall 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 some wall work, pass the ball to the wall and before the ball could actually come to your feet. You just you know look over your shoulder, and then I had like a randomizer, like a, a like my iPad giant screen with a randomizer, and I have to yell out the number just to like get into the habit of always looking up over my shoulder before I ask and receive a pass. Um, so clearly, the metric here is a little bit harder to to measure um, in terms of uh, the only way I measured it is really like. On a, like a like a scale, a confidence scale with the training. Mm-hmm. Okay, how easy is the training now that I'm doing this? Um, which is one form of metric because it's not really because you training you measuring the training, but you also have to just how comfortable on a scale of one to ten I am with this drill. But that doesn't give you the full picture because you could just be comfortable with that drill because you've done it several times. Now, how does that translate to the pitch? So the metric that I use for the pitch is just like. Uh, making a mental note is just like um, how often do I um, check back before I receive a pass? And then uh, on a holistic level, just how comfortable I am in the midfield with receiving passes. Because I know this every time, like I have a few options, even before I get the ball, like I'm calm, collected, you know, I'm not worried about it. even if there's a lot of pressure behind me, as long as I know what I'm going to do with the ball, like if you could have two men on me, I'm still cool. Like you, before, like when I'm when I'm playing around and you know, like I'm not comfortable. I feel like the midfield is congested. I don't feel comfortable in receiving a ball. I don't feel comfortable in asking a ball in that little tight space. Um, that's what I look for. I look for that that confidence and then the ability to not lose the ball in the in in those those dangerous positions in the back. Just how often do I lose the ball? Okay. So if I lose the ball because I didn't scan, that's one thing that I always notice. Like if because I didn't scan, that's why. 
So I start to know this. Okay, so in those difficult situations, when it's congested in the midfield, do I retain the ball? Do, do I lose it? This is the, a, a metric. This is a measurement. Like, it's like a holistic measurement. Really, there's no. It's, that's my data. Like, okay, how often do I do I lose it? No, I don't lose it. Okay, so it's been happening a lot, and I've purposely put myself in those tight situations in the midfield just to see how I respond. How's my level of confidence? Am I scared? Am I? Do I panic? No, I'm cool and and collected. So this is my approach when it comes to these his um tactical stuff the technical stuff in the midfield and trying to improve it. And then for uh, when I play as a right back, that one is just, that's a little bit easier, you know, because it's, it's you measuring pure fitness. There's so many data that you can use. You can use a RPE scales. You can use just, you can use time. You can use, I, some, what I use you sometimes I, I look at my heart rate viability when I, when I train, um, for repeated sprint. Like I do a lot of repeated sprint and then, um, see how long it takes me, um, for my heart rate to go down and I can go again. So typically that's what I use. And then of course on the, on the pitch, just, you know, tracking, hold on. I'm, you know, I don't have a real tracker to see how many repeated sprint I've got, but I just kind of take a mental note of my production on offense, um, as a right back in the second half. Um, and <clears throat> see if I, how many like run forwards did I make? How many times that I've asked for the ball past the uh, half? Um, how many crosses did I do in the second half compared to the first half? It did that drop. So those are the kind of thing I look at from, um, as a metric. Mm, I like that. I like that. Okay. Th- those were really, really insightful because I, I think, we we hit it on almost every angle of physical and technical and tactical, mm-hmm. as well as something you could really put a number towards like RPE or, or heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side of that spectrum, something without, you know, a video analyst, it's almost impossible to measure, oh, yeah. uh, you know, your, your quantity of scanning. Um, the, these are all very, very important things. And I, I think it's important to know how to, set and achieve goals regardless of you know what what's kind of around them um just because you don't have the technology or the resources or the the coaching staff when it comes to you know really analyzing and developing uh different aspects of your game uh it doesn't mean you can't pursue certain things because if you have a weakness you need to attack it with intent and um to do that you have to have some way to measure it and yeah Obviously, none of the the methods that you kind of described are perfect, but they're repeatable, they're reliable to yourself, and they're mm-hmm. they're very realistic. Um, so I, I think that's better than not tracking at all. Which yeah, is, it's it's a good way to just be honest with yourself because if you do all this training but you're not tracking the how it is, you're just relying on how you feel. How you feel is um some it's a valid um it's a valid data, it's a valid information, but also you need to be a bit objective with those data as well and look at just how many times you did something like how many times you lost the ball in those tight situation. Um, how often do you look over your shoulder in the midfield when you ask for, when you ask for a pass, like kind of really have some metric to get a sense of how you're doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Uh, let's take a quick break. And then after that, we have two more goals for you guys to kind of explore and, and go through and see what kind of things you can pull from that to bring into your own environment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. If you're a physical therapist, fitness coach, or personal trainer, you need to know that Team Builder is the number one app for exercise prescription. Whether you're working with a few clients one-on-one as a side hustle, or you're working with hundreds of athletes in an academy setting, there's no better app to prescribe exercises for remote or in-person training than Team Builder. As someone who's used Team Builder for over two years, I can wholeheartedly say it saves me time and helps my clients perform at their best. As a bonus, Team Builder is offering a 12-week soccer strength and conditioning program that comes with your 14-day free trial. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing risk of injury. Head over to teambuilder.com and sign up with the code SFE to get started. Vitruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about Vitruve today. All right, we are back on the soccer fitness experience. Two more goals for you guys that that I've kind of encountered uh, over the last two, three years, and I, I think are, are pretty common across the, the soccer landscape, regardless of what kind of level you're at. Um, goal number one being losing weight, and goal number two being improving confidence on the pitch. Is that for um, you or just in general? Oh, that was for me. That okay. was for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think in terms of, of weight loss, kind of like your physical goal of, of improving the amount of sprints that you're doing, it's something that is that is clearly objective, easy to track, um, something that, that can be done relatively uh, easily in terms of, of tracking and, and maintaining the goal. Um, but I, I think that goal is a little bit different because that's when you start to talk about process versus outcome because the outcome of losing weight is important, but the underlying processes behind it are really what, what drives that, that whole outcome itself. Um, so one of the things that I, I really learned from that is at the time, this was when I was in Florida, I was probably up to, I'm like 6'2", I was like 212, 2'13". And I wanted to drop down to around 200-ish. Um, and I was working with, with one of my friends who was, who was pursuing a career in nutrition. And we, we rarely discuss the actual number itself hmm. because we, we both knew that the number wasn't the important part. That what was important was everything that I was doing in the background. For example, right? Like, it was easy to lose five pounds in one day. All I had to do was, you know, not drink water at all and not <laughs> <Water>. eat. And <laughs> the next day, bada bing, bada boom, I'm down five, right? Which 
again, it's not about the number, it's about the process because that process is completely wrong. You know, so what do we do? We really took a deep dive into my nutrition and that's when I learned like, wow, I'm really not getting not even close to the amount of proper protein that I needed uh, in order to do what I wanted to do and maintain my lifestyle. And I was like, oh, wow, that we have to make a, a significant, significant change here. And I really thought I was all good. But then after looking into it, I was like, no, I actually need to double my protein intake. Um, and it, it was little tweaks like that here and there that over the course of 10, 12 weeks, we, we fixed a lot of things. And uh, even some of the things that we learned uh, during that time, almost two years ago, I still use in my life today. Um, so I, I, I think it's important to know when you have a goal, such as losing weight, but know that the end goal isn't necessarily what you should be chasing. Um, it, it's about the process that's behind it, as well as the fact that if you adhere to and follow and believe and understand and trust in the process, you will get to your goal. That's a big one. Um, and I think that's a, that's a rule that should, that it, it applies to pretty much every aspect of life, even in business, if everything in general, if, if, if you live your life just for the purpose of achieving that goal and you so obsessed with achieving that goal, then, you know, the chances of you reaching that goal is it, you might reach it, but like, how, how'd you do it? Like, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy the process? And I, most of the time, if you're not enjoying the process, you're not going to reach that goal um, as often as you, you should. No, this ain't working. Ah, this, this is not, not. Why am I not getting there? Why am I not getting? Why am I not down five weight, five pounds? Why am I not down fifteen pounds? Why is this? Why me? Why me? Why me? That's something that you really have to pay attention to doing any process of in doing any sort of like um, process to achieve something. It's like yeah. it's why they they mention uh, folk love the process because that's really what it's about. Because that's really what it's about. Because think about it. Once you reach that goal, now now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You reach that goal. All right, now I'm ten pounds. Yeah. I'm ten pounds. Uh, um, lighter. Okay. Now what? Now what? You could be yeah. ten pounds lighter, and then you know, within three weeks, you you right back where you start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I hate to take it in the side here, but like I, I know a good percentage of, of the people who listen to this are also uh in the physical therapy space or strength and conditioning or athletic training uh the, the same goes with your career as well right like if you're if you're working with a certain population you feel like day on day you're suffering you know it's just like every day is miserable but you're like you know what but one day i'm gonna get my dream job and yada 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 and it's gonna be so much better no it's not gonna be much better it's gonna be the same like you you have to be able to to love what you do. And if you're not loving what you do, you have to find a way to tweak what you're doing yeah. in order for you to love it because otherwise it's just not, it's not sustainable. So. Man, that dream job thing. Dream job is, um, it's interesting because there's a lot of that dream jobs. Usually, you know, in our careers that we want a lot of money and we want to work less. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's everywhere. We want to work less. 
and we want more money. And by working less, guy, I mean like we work less. We work hard as, as physical therapists. <laughs> the amount of patient I see a day is kind of crazy, man. If I could see half of that, like he would still be tired, dude. No, no, no. If I no, if I could see no, now I'm. I don't get tired anymore. I just like I see. I don't get emotionally involved in how many of patients I see because it's just it's not going to change. It just the the way I'm at. The population, we it's just low payers, so we have to see a lot of numbers to to make money. Yeah. Right? So that's my dream of hoping that I will see like only like four or five patients a day. That's not going to happen, <laughs> you know. So I have to look at other aspect of the job and focus on that, so that I don't get, you know, I don't start complaining and, and about the job and start to be ungrateful. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just focus on different aspect of the job that I like. You know, talking to the patient. You know, make having joking around with my coworkers. Um, you know, doing the presentation every Wednesday. You know, that's and then I just focus on that. Everything else, I just, I just okay. That's how. That's just how it is. I, I can't change it. So I focus. I focus on the part about the process that I like, and that's I would recommend the same for everyone. You know, if you. If you have a, you know, a goal you're trying to achieve and, you know, like focus on that process, you know, what do you like about the process? Why don't you like, all right, if you have it in your ability to change other aspects of the process that you don't like, uh, perfect. But that's why it's the process, because if you focus on the process, then you're going to be a bit more objective and say, hmm, I like this, hmm, that one. Yeah, we're going to do that again. Uh, we, we find something else and then you, you refine the process to find the one that, is good for you then that's when you start enjoying life because hey you're doing you Mm -hmm. yep no i love that i love that and uh my my second goal is just improving confidence on the pitch um that one is oh this this is so many this is one this one is like like how do you what's your approach to that because that one is not technically like you have to like make up your numbers make up your data Oh yeah, there there are there's close to no numbers to you know like that, that's almost like a like a gut feeling really, and uh, I I always break down goals like that that are very vague and broad into okay, why do I feel unconfident on the pitch you know, and for me it was like okay I don't feel confident because I don't like my first touch. And I feel like if my first touch was better, I would be a much better player. And I'm like, okay, so you know what? Let me forget about everything else except working on my first touch. I'm going to work on that with a lot of intensity. And that's all I'm going to do. And, you know, I, I did that. And then lo and behold, I like my confidence just improved. Like I, I, I play weekly at, at work in like a staff game. Um, and you know, it's a whole mix of people. There's people like me, you know, played loosely growing up. There, there are people who are, you know, they're professional coaches. There are ex-professional players up in there. It's, it's, it's a very, you know, as young as, you know, 19, 20, as old as people in their fifties, it's a whole mix of people. And, um, I used to definitely be like more shy, more timid, um, like, you know, not looking to get after the ball, not mm-hmm. looking to to be an option, you know, not not avoiding, but not going that extra step of, you know, let me be useful. 
And it was because of my first touch. I, I like, I just didn't feel like it was at that level, especially with the people that I was playing with. And I, I worked on it for a while and it, it got significantly better. And then boom, my confidence just, just went up. And, um, yeah, I, I have nothing to measure. I have, you know, of course you can go down the path of, you know, let me measure my first touch or whatever, however you want to do that. But some, sometimes you can't measure it. It's just a feeling. And there, there are times where you're like, you know what? I have it. Like, that's not an issue for me anymore just because I, I can feel it. I can sense it. And, you know, there's not always going to be a number to go with every single goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, I can promise everyone, like, if there's one thing you want to work on to be confident, it's your first touch, man. Yeah. I was, I use, um, I grew up as a defender. So naturally, like, I was more comfortable without having the ball. Like, I used to, like, back when I was a teenager, like, I used to, like, all right, when, when they gonna, when my team gonna lose it so that I can start, I could get into action. Like, literally, like, yeah. I was just like, yeah. I was so comfortable not having the ball, like, looking at body movement and see, okay, I know he's gonna make this one and this is where I need to stand to block the pass. Oh, he's not, he ain't gonna pass me. He's not fast. He can get the ball. I'll take it off. Extreme confidence off the ball. On the ball, though, <laughs> zero confidence. Don't don't even yeah. don't try to play. Listen, don't even give me the ball. Like don't. I used to tell my goalkeeper, like just get rid of it. Don't don't build from the back. Like we <laughs> have to be responsible with making decision. Oh my god! Like first touch and then pick a man to pass the ball. And then being scared. Nothing is worse than you playing and you constantly scared that you're about to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Awful, yep. bro. Awful. Yep. Every time, like, shit. Like, let me just get rid of it really, really quickly so that I don't make a mistake. And then as I grew in my 20s, I was like, in, in late teen and early 20s, I, like, I need to change that. And the first touch was the first one. I I kid you not, I, used, I couldn't juggle. Hmm. I started to learn how to really juggle at like 19, 20. Mm-hmm. So that was like the path to like, all right, let me improve my touch. All right, so it's, okay, let's do that. Let's do start with juggling. I don't know how you did yours, but I started mine with juggling. Learn how to juggle the ball with my right. Learn how to juggle the ball with my left. Okay, I have to juggle what? Now it's just running with the ball. Man, if I, if I had an opportunity to sprint, I would just... Do like a Thierry Henry type of thing where I just push the ball in front of me, like 10 yards in front of me, and then I just sprint. Like yep. getting comfortable, like keeping the ball at the top of the sole and just just back and forth five yards. Five yards, pop, turn around, pop, 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 pop. Those like learning to control the ball within five yards and in and out. And then all these other drills that I started noticing on YouTube. Man, I tell you, man, YouTube works, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do these little yep. drills with the corn drills. <laughs> you do those little corn drills with the wall, and then you yep. you pass the ball really hard in the wall, and it's coming. All right, so I'm going to control it with the outside of my foot, and then I, I touch that with the outside of my foot, and then I pass with the inside of my foot, and then when the ball is coming back, take a touch with the inside of my foot, and then transfer it over to the left or right. Man, these drills work, man. Yep, and y'all know exactly what drills we're talking about. Oh, you, so they you know, know exactly. They know. You know those simple as drills, man. You could, you don't even need a lot. You just need one cone. 
and you just like you know on your it's like you drag the ball pass it drag the ball pass it drag the ball pass it and then before it goes too far away from you grab it outside the foot inside the foot pass grab it man let me tell you this stuff works man mm-hmm. they work they were i can't tell you how many times there's two players in front of me and i start doing tricks <laughs> yeah i start doing tricks I, I you know i bring the ball bring it back and then switch it over to my left all i'm doing is buy time because i'm like okay who's coming to get the pass who's coming mm-hmm. to get the pass my head is up i learned how to practice the drill with my head up just so i can get a moment to see who's 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 open confidence man is is there with the first touch and you combine first touch with scanning you're a midfielder Oof, yeah that's what it is you combine mm-hmm. a good first touch with a good scanning you 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 you're a decent midfielder you know yeah. obviously your 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 passes um will dictate but you know when you're in a when you're in the midfield that time you know you're not doing like how often do you do like really long passes on the ground most yeah. everything is a short pass within five yards you know thread the needle within five yards like that's not that hard to do in my opinion yeah no and i i think a good touch and and scanning will turn you from a liability to an asset bro i can't you tell know? you every time someone is liable on a field why do you know this they take too long to make decision i mean they're not scanning and their first touch yeah. is bad like they take a first touch and the ball is like so many yards away from them then they yep. get put into a situation where you, you get, it's a 50 50 ball now yeah and i mean i literally just told y'all i play with 50 year olds sometimes what do they have scanning good first touch, just first touch are they a liability no it's, it's that simple everyone every time i play i see somebody who's like mm, this guy ain't good what is it well he's not confident on the ball that's one that's it's just the main thing you're not confident on the ball oh god it's a problem especially in pickup the guys that really not confident on the ball i'll play in midfield we got a guy every time he comes and he's like i'm playing right here as a as a cam and he doesn't have good touch he doesn't scan he takes too long to pass like, we'll be making great runs. I'll be making, like, Suarez run. I was, like, right here, and I point where I want the ball. Yeah. That that good. that pass is gone. Like, it, it yeah. took, like, 10 minutes to make a pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's wrap this episode up. Um, in conclusion, from my end, you know, if you have a goal that's trackable with a number, don't necessarily chase the number. Chase the process behind it and make sure you respect and you love and appreciate what that process will do for you. And at the same time, if, if you're chasing a goal that's a little bit more abstract and uh, you can't necessarily measure it, break it down and see what is the limiting factor. Why can't I do X, Y, and Z? Because there might be just one roadblock. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my situation, I wanted confidence and the roadblock was first touch and I improved that and the outcome gets better. Yeah. For me, it's just um, the repeated sprint um, that I and I wanted to be more productive in the second half of the game with repeated sprint as a right back, and then having the confidence in the midfield. And what I wanted to work on is really scanning, because that one is the the hardest one, really, because it's it's like it's something that doesn't have to do with the ball, right? It's just a habit that you need to practice. And then it's you spend like three weeks practicing that, 
your game changes. I promise you, your game, your game really changes. Like the confidence of knowing that, okay, I see two guys coming, but I already know where the ball is going. I already know what I'm going to do with it. That can save you a lot of time. Man. And that's usually how sometimes you see guys do a great move in the midfield. with their They do a feint with their body. And just like, they just look like, wow, he got out of there. Like two people got out of there quick. No, like he already had two or three moves in his head that he could plan before he could even get the pass. And that's, that's what able him to be that confident. Because he's like, well, he's going to rush me here and I'm going to fake this way and then put the ball right in the middle. Like, all, all this, if that doesn't work, I pass it back to 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 the defense. Mm-hmm. Let yep. me tell you, man, that, that, that changed your confidence completely, man. Yep, and for this, sure. is, uh, this is the magic. Some of it, when it comes to like those tactical things, it's it's a matter of it's really like the 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 measurement is really your confidence. How 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 easy do you feel, and how how often you lost the ball like, mm-hmm. with pressure mm-hmm. on you? Because yep. if you're scanning, you shouldn't lose the ball even with pressure, right? yeah, because you knew you knew what you were gonna do with it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for listening, y'all, and we'll catch y'all next week. Peace out.